You know, there's many different ways you can support the Trendaholic or the Voice Junkie podcast. One of those ways is doing something you normally do in your personal life. Like, I don't know, stream movies. So in that light, you can accept with graciousness the gift of seven days free from Apple TV Plus on your boy. Yes, me, Chuck, from the Voice Junkie podcast is giving away a free week of Apple TV Plus. I mean, it's a free trial. If you want to support the podcast, hit the link below in the description box. It'll bring you right to the page so you can get that free week Apple TV Plus. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Welcome to Voice Junkie. some sort of major move, a jarring move of some sort. And, and, and a jarring move doesn't mean changing around, you know, your linebackers. It Hell means no. making a change at coach or at they quarterback. Not, they not at a place where they could just run it back. That's number one. I didn't okay. feel like they were at a place where they could run it back this year. What Graz just said is absolutely right. Um, I think you can win a Super Bowl with Mike McCarthy. I don't think you can win one with Kellen Moore. And that, nobody right. wants to talk about the elephant in the room. All right, guys. Mike McCarthy didn't hire, hire Kellen Moore. Mm. That was a holdover from Jerry Jones, okay? So as much as we get on here and we talk about Mike McCarthy's job, I, I defended Mike McCarthy uh, a couple weeks ago when we were talking, is he going to be fired if you go to Tampa? Bruh, Mike McCarthy has been to the playoffs twice in three years of coaching. All right, he won a playoff game this year. His quarterback turned the football over. He can't control that. That's Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott. I have been saying it for two months. Two months I've been sitting here saying, hey, man, Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott are the most important people to if Dallas can win anything. I still didn't think they were going to win a Super Bowl. I didn't mm -hmm. think that they would beat, beat Philly in a playoff game fully healthy. But ultimately, we, come, we, we keep talking about this man job, man. Like, at, so who are you going to get? All right, let's just say you get Sean Payton. <laughs> You still don't have the roster. The roster! Howie Roseman went out and traded for A.J. Brown. We just finished talking about Philly and their offensive line and how it was put together. This team was better suited to win a Super Bowl when Dak was a rookie than they are right now. And the coach is still having some success. We're getting them to at least to the playoffs in the tournament to have a chance at getting there. I Look, I don't mind bearing a coach, okay? Don't, don't mind it at all when I think he needs that type of vitriol and energy. We keep talking about Mike McCarthy. I've been in this organization. I'm telling y'all, Kellen Moore is that guy in waiting like Jason Garrett was when he was in waiting, controlling what they do offensively. Boy wonder is what hmm. they tagged him. Now, mm -hmm. we can talk about that turnovers, and that's rightfully so, but we need to have the same type of energy going towards Kellen Moore as well. Do y'all think it's a coincidence? I'm going to give y'all another example. Do y'all think it's a coincidence that Josh Allen potentially struggled under Ken Dorsey after Brian Dayball left? Yeah. That's how important an offensive coordinator is. I think that was a wonderful clip to start off this segment because he hit every nail on the head that I wanted to hit before I came in and gave my uh, opinions about what happened Sunday night. Well, let's start with that. Uh, Marcus hit it right on the head. Let's start with Dak and Kellen Moore because they are a duel. They are a tandem. They are a bicycle for two. They are together on this. If you suck Dak, that means our offensive coordinator also sucks. 
He's not calling up the right plays and he's not putting you in the right positions to succeed. That's a part of what an OC is supposed to do. He's supposed to put the quarterback and the offense in the right situations to succeed. And no one out there who's being honest can say that Kellen Moore has done that since he's been offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I've been on the record saying this for quite some time that we should have replaced Kellen Moore when we replaced Jason Garrett. Now, furthermore, I also said on the record, this is three years ago now, episode 42, I checked it up, so if you want to reference that, listen, Kellen Moore is a Jason Garrett disciple. He's also a Jerry Jones holdover. Now, if you're going to fire Jason Garrett's ass and bring in a new coach, why would you keep the offensive coordinator that's essentially the same person like keeping Jason Garrett? It's like the same thing. I mean, they're the same offense. You just kept the same offense and just changed the face of it and, and, and put it to Kellen Moore. Like, I mean, this is this is just ridiculous on its face and what is going on with, with the decision making here. But on to the, the, the game itself. I mean, there's no sugarcoating it at all. That wasn't good. It was not his finest hour. It wasn't a redemption game uh, that he, I guess, drew up in his head or imagined in his head that he would have after last year's performance. Actually, his performance this year was worse than last year. But. We really, really have to dive into all the particulars of how the game went because we can't really be honest with ourselves and say that the game wouldn't have been a little bit different if Tony Pollard hadn't broken his left fibia. Tony Pollard is the most dynamic, explosive weapon that we have coming out the backfield because Zeke ain't that dude anymore. We all know that. Now, when you get rid of that threat... When you don't no longer have that threat, you by right eliminate a dynamic option that is on the offense. That offense is just Dak, CD, Pollard, and Schultz. That's what that offense has been all season, and that's what that offense was on Sunday night. And when you take away one of those weapons, now you're just you're you know you're just you're not at your best advantage when you're going up against a team like San Francisco. You're just not. And you can't win when you don't have that kind of support system. You just can't do it. And Dak Prescott, listen, man, I'm not going to fool myself and say that he's something he's not. I never did. I never, ever one time said that Dak Prescott was a top five quarterback or he was some kind of transcendent or a, a what the media likes to say, a force multiplier He's none of those things. And I'm okay with that. You don't have to have one of those guys to win a championship. We've seen this. I'm almost 40 years old, so I'm old enough to have seen a lot of these things and have seen a lot of teams win championships. Troy Aikman, contrary to what the media um, fantasizes and holds him up, he was a great quarterback, no doubt. I was old enough to see him play. He wasn't ever, ever, ever considered a top five quarterback. In a league that had Elway, Marino, Steve Young, uh, I could go on and on and on. This was the the his peers at the time, and he wasn't no he wasn't in that top five with his peers. But you know what? He had a great support ca- supporting cast. He was a, he had talent. I mean, he was accurate as hell. One of the most accurate throwers of the ball. That was his superpower, by the way. But he had an awesome supporting system at that time in the nineties especially in the 90s and also in the 70s, there was a culture there that 
was all about winning and doing what it took to get the, the W and, and, and doing what you're paid to do. There was a fear factor there that is just no longer there. Uh, yeah, since Jimmy Johnson left. There's no fear factor, man. When we fail, these players aren't afraid of nothing. They don't, they're not fearful of losing their jobs. Jerry has coddled these guys. He's coddled the coaches. He's coddled the players. He's coddled just about everybody underneath him because he has already tricked himself into winning the way he wants to win. He, he doesn't care really about uh, the conventional way of going about things because he's never done things the conventional way. Never. He's made the Dallas Cowboys the most uh, successful, uh, most uh, wealthy franchise in the free world. He did all of that unconventionally. So you think he's going to listen to conventional wisdom? Of course not. And why would he if every year the, the, you know, the, the price goes up every year? Even if we lose, the price goes up. The guy wins when we lose. So he's not all the way incentivized to do what needs to be done. As far as the roster changes that need to be done. As far as the culture change that needs to be done. Just like an old quote I'm going to use from... Anthony Scaramucci of uh, the you know former Trump aide said it was a quote he used when describing the, the administration. He said, "It's like the fish rots from the head down, and that's the truth. The fish rots from the head down, and Jerry Jones is the top. And we haven't had success. We haven't been to an NFC Championship game for now 28 years because of that. Because Jerry made a decision." To trade in uh, championships, wins for finances and exposure and attention and control, complete control. That's what he did. And he's the ultimate case of wanting to have his cake and eat it too. You can't have it all, Jerry. And he's learned that almost at his golden age now. He's almost on his way out. I mean, he's almost looking like weekend at Bernie's at this point. Like, you know, it's getting hard for him to move around. Something needs to be done. I don't want Kellen Moore there anymore. If Dak Prescott, we know what Dak is. He's not a guy that's going to put a team on his shoulders. He's not talented enough to do that. And that's okay. But now what you need to do is support him with the team he needs to get him over the top. No different than what Seattle did with Russell Wilson. Now you see Russell without that structure, right? He's a completely different quarterback. Now, if you can give Dak something like that, like what Pete Carroll gave Russell Wilson in Seattle, you will see the best out of Dak Prescott because he'll have a system. He'll have some adults around him that's going to reel him in and control him and keep and put him in the best situations possible. So the question is, do I still think he's good enough to win us a Super Bowl? Absolutely. If he has the right structure around him, he's 29 years old. He's not 33, 34, 35. That being said, I'm not going to also sit here and, and, and act like I wouldn't be through the moon if we had an opportunity to pick up, a say, an Aaron Rodgers in a straight-up trade. Hell, if we had a chance to get Aaron Rodgers in a straight-up trade, that's say we had Aaron for two seasons, I'm desperate, dog. I love you, Dak, but I take that trade. And I ain't the biggest Aaron Rodgers fan, but I'll tell you what, <laughs> it'll definitely change some things when it comes to the schemes uh, from the, the opposing teams, the elite level defenses would have to scheme us a lot differently. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm about the wins now. It's about the wins. It's a F your feelings type of uh, approach that I have 
when it comes to my Cowboys. It ain't about your feelings. It's about these wins now. You know, it's getting a little long in the tooth. You know, my kid's going to be 16 years old this year. <laughs> and we still ain't been to an NFC championship game. I'm about to be 40. You know, Lord willing, I can get there. And I ain't seen one of those since I was in elementary school and heading into middle school. So this is this is this is a dire urgency now. And like I said, man, listen, I'm not going to make excuses. Dak wasn't good. He wasn't good. He, you know, my, my fear is Dak has succumbed to the ghost of Cowboys quarterback past. <laughs> and what I mean by that is a lot of what I see, what I'm seeing Dak experience and go through as far as the media and the uh, fandom is what Tony Romo was going through. He is definitely living in Tony Romo's former life right now. Tony, I thought, was good enough to win a championship, too. But we put too much expectations on Tony. We treated Tony like he was got, he had to be the reason to win the games for us. Was Troy the reason why? Uh, Troy Aikman, I'm talking about. Was Troy Aikman ever put in a situation where they was like, everything is on you, Troy? Yeah, Troy made some throws. But you know what? He had the best running back in the league behind him, behind the greatest offensive line of all time. We always like to admit those things from history, but I tell you what, you know, you can't do it because I lived it and I was there and I watched it. So we have to get back to that formula. We have to get back to that. This, this number one offense this year, number one, that don't matter, man. It don't matter. You know, Kellen Moore showed once again that his offense does not fare well against elite teams he's it's failed over and over again even with Garrett Garrett years is the same because Garrett's offense is Kellen Moore's offense it's the same goddamn offense that I've been complaining about for a decade now and we're still running the same offense so it's time to change things up Jerry time to move on let Kellen Moore go and get some college job and let let him go ruin a college program somewhere or uh, ruin uh, a bad team's chances it's time to move on, man. Dan Quinn's probably going to be out the door. So that's the perfect chance to, to reset things. And then when you start fresh, you'll know what you have in Dak. Move on from Kellen Moore. Give Dak somebody fresh and new. And if you're not going to do that, then damn it, let Mike McCarthy call the goddamn plays. He's supposed to be a quote-unquote genius, offensive-minded coach. That's one of the things that I expected him to have done when he came to Dallas in the first place, but that never happened. How about now? Now would be the perfect time because Dak and Mike McCarthy should be tied together as far as their future is concerned for the next two years because Dak has the contract two more years. So that's the perfect time. And if those two can't figure it out together, then 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 it may be time to move on. You may be time to move on to a new quarterback. But right now, it ain't, it's not panic mode right now. Now it's time to be realistic as an organization and do the right things. Hey, how serious are you about winning these chips? Are you serious enough and giving up control, Jerry? Or you just still want to play the circus game and get all the media attention and uh, go about it that way? Because we know now for almost 30 years that way ain't work. All right, now let's, let's get to digs. Let's get to the plays of the game. I tweeted out. And I've shared this on Instagram as well on my story. And I tweeted it out and said, once I seen Trevon Diggs drop a clean interception in the red zone 
on the game-winning drive for the 49ers. I knew then and there, as I've seen this over and over again in these big games, things like that happen, it was over. I said, oh, it's over. He dropped a clean interception right in the breadbasket. He has one of the most trusty hands in the league. I mean, the guy played wide receiver before he transitioned into a cornerback, and he just fumbled it right through his hands. And a couple plays later, of course, uh, Christian McCaffrey runs the ball in the end zone, and that's pretty much game over. So, you know, Diggs had a couple opportunities in the game. Listen, Dak wasn't the only one that came up small, man. Trevon Diggs did too. You know, these are big money guys that we need to depend on. Trevon Diggs, man, you got to catch that interception. I said it live when it happened. I was like, man, you got to catch that. Come on, man. And he didn't catch it. George Kittle. Big play up the middle, the circus catch that he was juggling for it seemed like forever before a Dallas Cowboy got to his vicinity within three feet or five. And what we see on the replay, Trevon Diggs completely whiffing on a George Kittle breakup or tackle because he didn't run any of that. You know, these are defining plays that will win you championships and, you know, get you past divisional rounds. And you got to make these plays. I can't stress it enough. It's not just the quarterback. It's just, it's a culture thing. The system is not right. The fish rots from the head down. Mike McCarthy. Now, I'm not going to put too much on Mike McCarthy because I don't think he was terrible in the game. I mean, he was worse last year in last year's game. But this year, um, I'm not going to really get on his case, but I, I think he could have helped his quarterback out before he threw that, before Dak threw that interception, that back-breaking interception in the red zone when we were pushing the ball down the field and could have got at least a field goal before half. I think when it was that fourth down, Mike, kick the goddamn field goal. Take the field goal. If your owner, Jerry Jones, and you in concert with everyone else is saying, oh, we believe in Maher, we believe in him, we believe in him, then let him F it up. You know what I mean? Like, you got to let the guy make try to attempt the field goal. And the fact that Mike McCarthy didn't do that, and it, and then the next play, Dak throws the pick, that that right there is, is on the coach. That's a decision-making blunder. Again, uh, something that he's notorious for in his coaching career. So that's on Mike McCarthy. Like, we can't ignore that. You know, I said it right when I was watching. I said, take the points. Yeah, I know Maher was missing field goals. He wasn't missing actual field goals. He was missing extra points. There, There is a difference. It is a completely different pressure. He didn't miss any field goals heading into that game. He just only missed PATs. So why not try that? Especially heading into the half. I mean, he misses it. I mean, okay, it's like a turnover on downs. But having your quarterback put him in that situation when he struggled with turnovers all year is just putting him out there, you know, without, you know, putting him out to sea on a boat without a paddle. It is. And good coaches don't do that. Pete Carroll wouldn't have done that to Russell Wilson. You see what I'm saying? So, Mike McCarthy, I'm going to give you blame for that. For that pick. I mean, it's Dak and your fault. And um, <laughs> lastly, penalties. Penalties again. I think we almost reached 10 penalties. Last year, I was 14. I mean, you just, you're not going to win games like that. Not in the playoffs. And what's that? Undisciplined. And where'd that come from? Coaching. You know, at some point, 
everyone has to bear the blame. This was just a bad performance on all ends. You know, the defense played well. For, they, they did, for the most part, except for that Trevon Diggs missed opportunity and, you know, a couple dumb penalties uh, uh, that, you know, timely penalties that weren't good on our side. But other than that, they kept the 49ers to 19 points, which is less than what they scored last year. Did you hear anything about Debo Samuels? Nope. He wasn't Deboing us. We was Deboing him. So a lot of things happened good in that game. And, you know, the offense, Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott didn't deliver. That's just the, that's just the end of it. There's, you know, no excuses about that. You know, it just, it made me think, it made me really think it was like, yep, here's another reason why the Dallas Cowboys are America's team. You know why? Because like, you know, both of them, just like America, the country, they both take everything and give nothing in return. 